0: Hello and welcome to the Football Brigade Podcast. I'm your host Manu Weff and as always I'm joined by Andrew Flint in Siberia. Andrew, how's it going over there?
1: Oh, not bad thanks Manny, not bad, not bad at all. Getting more and more excited. Um, Only one more slightly insignificant game to get past tomorrow and then we're pretty much home straight to the World Cup. So, God, less than three weeks, I can't wait.
0: Less three weeks, three weeks to what? i'm confused andrew you have you have to explain to me what's happening in three weeks
1: well of course by then we'll have had two weeks of the uh fnl transfer window and we'll know what Tumen's squad will look like for next season
0: obviously Uh, okay absolutely that makes a lot of sense okay
1: okay i mean that's what we're here to talk about right yeah uh, the next hour is going
0: to be all about human squad and helping us to do so is uh tim in vancouver tim how's it going
2: well, that's a bit of an ambitious statement because I'm not sure if I'll be much of help in terms of the main squad, but, you know, I'll try my best. Uh, I'm excited for tomorrow's game. To me, it's like a, yeah, uh, to me, it's like a birthday, the Champions League final, and I just can't wait to,
0: to watch that, and then we'll get on to the World Cup. Oh, that's what we're here for, Tim. I, I, yeah. I, I, yeah, no, I'm just joking. Sorry, Andrew, we're not going to talk an hour about FC Tuman. Um, this That's is a, a b-
1: <laughs> <ridiculous>. <laughs> Fair enough.
0: uh, imagining Andrew walking out the room right now. No, um, seriously though, boys. Yes. Andrew, you're quite right. It's just a bit over three weeks. Uh, three weeks on Sunday. Isn't it right? And the biggest show on earth, the biggest football event, the biggest sport event on this planet is about to kick off. Um, Sunday, June 14th at the Lushniki Stadium, Russia against Saudi Arabia. Um, It's not the most glamorous opening in a tournament, I have to admit, but it is the opening of a World Cup nonetheless. Now boys, this podcast is all about the host. We're going to talk about the groups in great detail on the next two podcasts, but this podcast is all about the host. The host country, Russia, uh, we'll talk about their group in particular, of course, next week, but um, let's talk about just Russia as the as the national team. Uh, Stanislav Chechesov has announced a 28-man preliminary squad for this tournament. Of course, he has to cut this down by five players. I assume one of them will be a goalkeeper because he's a nominated four. Um, Tim, when you saw the squad, a lot of people... A lot of people they were surprised about some of the nominations. Uh, the one that surprised me the most is that Sergei Ignacev made the, the cut belatedly, right? Um, anyone else that just, you went, wow, what's this? What is he doing in the squad? Well, I was mostly, actually, Sergei
2: Ignacevich's uh, call-up for me was kind of, um, made sense uh, because, because of the injuries. He was the person who, you know, got invited to, to put, to kind of join the last minute. He wasn't really planned to do that, but really because of lack of the other central defenders, he, you know, cherchesov called him up. For me, it was on the other side a little bit, um, you know, the players who did make, and I'm absolutely biased by saying that I was surprised as Denis Gulshakov didn't make it. And mm-hmm. instead of him, for example, Yuri Gazinski made it. Uh, cherchesov explained himself that he said that it's all based on the recent form. But yes, um, Denise Goshakov really hasn't been phenomenal in the past couple of months. He, he had an injury. But at the same time, I, in my opinion, there's such a young squad. Uh, they need somebody, they need this experience. Uh, Denise was part of the World Cup and Euro teams. He knows how to do that. And half, more than half of that squad doesn't really have any experience in terms of World Cup or European, um, Euro, Euro Cup. So to, to me, that was one of the biggest, um, Kind of questions. the the rest was the rest was fairly straightforward. Um, You know, some people questioned that Polos, uh, from what I understand, didn't make it. So that, but again, to me, it's it's not crucial. I think uh, from the limited number of Russian players of Russian citizens which we have, he called up almost everyone. And like I said to me, it was a big, uh, big question why the Denis Goshakov was not included. Um, Dmitry Kambarov was also not included, which I can understand. But uh, the yeah, to me the biggest one was Denis Glushakov. Uh The rest, the rest I think it's, it's just a normal squad. The people who we kind of expected to see in that lineup.
0: Andrew, what about you? What did you think about the squad? I mean, remember five players will still face the cut.
1: Yeah. Um yeah no I, I, I share I share Tim's view about um, Ignashevich I wasn't I wasn't entirely surprised I honestly I'm not just saying this to try and sound clever but I really did expect one of the Berdtskis or Ignashevich to be called up at some point um you know um, but simply because of the reasons Tim said we 've got a lot of injuries, and there is a young squad i mean it doesn 't matter even if Ignashevich starts or not in my books. I think he 's a valuable squad member because you 've got to remember this is different to this is different to having a club squad. you need players in the squad who are almost certainly not going to play and i 'm not saying Ignashevich won't play, I think he might, but you need players who can be a balancing act who 've had the experience they can be a calming influence so Ignashevich is not a surprise um. I definitely agree with Tim on Glushikov. I think that's a, I think it's a very bizarre thing. It could only possibly be, I don't believe for a second that Chechestov actually means it about form because Glushikov is is quality. He is that commanding presence in midfield, which I think is absolutely essential in this team. Um, So I cannot, I cannot understand it. There must have been some disagreement uh, between the two of them. Um, For me, I was quite pleased to see in the preliminary squad Alexander Tashayev and Fyodor Chalov. Um, Two youngsters who I would say have earned their place. Fyodor Chalov possibly marginally fortunate because his run of form is only quite recent. But both of them, I think, deserve on quality. Tashayev certainly on form as well. Um, So I think, I mean, I don't want to be harsh to Tashayev, but he's probably likely to be cut simply because he's got probably the least experience of the attacking midfielders um, mm-hmm. so I think he might be unfortunately one for the chop. but Chaloff should keep his place because you know basically there's only Juba Smolov um, who are That's out and out strikers still in the squad so I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing Chalov in the final 23
0: mm, and Juba and Smolov called up Tim uh, what's your thoughts on that
2: well I think I think uh...
0: Um, Fedor Smolov will be obviously the the
2: main striker. He is the vice captain of the team. He pretty much has a guaranteed uh, starting spot in the lineup. He's like the the best striker. Juba's uh, uh, place and start is kind of questionable at this point because today uh, there was it was leaked. Uh, Sport Express newspaper announced that Chuchesov slightly changed. He's uh, not slightly, significantly changed his tactics, and now he is planning instead of playing. Five three two one with three central defenders, which he's done throughout the whole uh, preparation over the past two years, and that was his statement that he's playing with three central defenders. Because of lack of the central defenders, he was forced to change his tactics to four two three one. And in that sense, um speaking of the striker, Smolov will be the the only sole striker supported by three attacking midfield midfielders, and the Juba will start uh, on the bench and would come on if you know, of small of a start or if Russia need uh, to, to get extra, extra men in the attack. And also needs to, needs to be also um, highlighted that Zuba hasn't been training with the team uh, until recently. He had um, a flu and he was not allowed to train just they just, just they just were walk, were cautious with him so he missed a few, few first few days of the training camp that also doesn't really help and doesn't really give him confidence as a starting player so if those rumors are true about um, Cherchesov switching the formation to 4-2-3-1 then uh, I think it's guaranteed that Fedor Smolov will be the only sole striker supported by three attacking midfielders, uh, which is um, kind of not a bad uh, idea. But going back again, going back to the three defenders, um, it, just, it just purely la- lack of uh, people who can play in this
0: position and who are younger than 60 years of age. That's a very late switch information. You know, yeah, know, es- right. essentially three weeks before the tournament starts, uh, he's been in charge now for two years. Been practicing with this formation, three-five-two. Mm-hmm. Um, that's ambitious. <laughs>
2: yeah, it's. Yeah, I don't know. Like they still have uh, three weeks to train, but um, it's it's really hard to see. Like all those formation switches are really not. When you do it so soon before the tournament, and when the, for the whole two years you've been practicing one, I think it's risky. But really, you know, it's probably he looked at the players uh, in their in their current form and conditions at the um, in the training ground that he didn't say. But I uh, know that that's just a rumor. I don't know how how much truth is in that. Um, but we can see that really there's not enough people, quality people, who would. Um, be able to be one of those three defenders
0: good i mean yeah i think i think you're quite right i mean uh, that's it it might be just necessity right at this stage that Mm -hmm. look we can't play any different than that but it's i i still i still think it's a it's a big risk um boys looking at the squad now and i'm going to go with you real quick first andrew real quick five names that you're going to cut at this present stage
1: well, yeah, I I saw that leaked um that leaked squad of Chichas and that does actually influence it a little bit. But I would go I think Sosland Janaev is probably likely to be the fourth keeper, or well, the, the the one the keeper to be cut. Um Semyonov has never really had a regular place in the well, in the starting lineup certainly in and some squads as well. So I think Semyonov probably is likely to be dropped from the defenders. Um Yuri Gazinsky, I just cannot see what he adds to the squad, um, unless there's something to Chesov sees that I don't. But I, I think he's a desperately ordinary pedestrian player. And if you look, if you take him out, you need holding midfielders. You've got Yurokin, you've got Kozhev, you've got Zobnin, uh, and Zagorov can play there as well. So I'd say that covers that position. Um, and Teshaev and Denis Cheryshev, simply for lack of experience. I think they've earned their right in the preliminary squad, but overall... Um I think I'd go with them. And also because uh I mean, okay, this switch to four, two, three, one, whether that really will happen or not, I don't know, but he's not played with wingers and Toshayev and Cheryshev are wingers, so I think their place is in you know, under threat. So Janaev, gazinski Semyonov, Tashayev and Cheryshev would be the five I would cut.
0: Cheryshev, eh? Wow. Um Tim, your thoughts. Uh, my thoughts is the uh, same with the goalkeeper.
2: Um, Soslan Janaev, I don't think he, yeah, like, compared to, like, we know that Vladimir Gabulov has a given place. Igor Kinfeev is the captain of the team. So it's really a choice between Soslan Janaev and Andrei Lunyov. And, uh, yeah, Soslan Janaev probably has the least experience. Even Andrei Lunyov doesn't have experience, but uh, to me, it doesn't really matter because Igor Kinfeev will hopefully start all of the games. Um, in terms of defense, I don't even know it it, it kind of comes down if if he switches to that uh, central defender's formation of two or keeps it three if if he keeps three, I think he needs to keep Semenov just just for the number of people available to play. If he made a decision to switch it uh, to two defenders, I agree that Andrey Semenov probably is uh, the candidate which probably has the least chances of staying. Uh, Yuri Gazinsky to me is just really no brainer, mainly because he he was taken in the place of Dzidz Glushakov. and um, I would probably expect um, also further Chalov to be cut just because of pure lack of experience, Zubay, and if again if he. Will play with one striker, then it's fairly simple. Uh, small of starts and Zuba comes on as a sub. Also, Miranchuk can play as a false nine, so there are options there. But again, if he plays five-three-two, then he needs two strikers to start, and then Chalov probably have to stay. So at this point, really, we need to see the coaches. A vision in terms of like how, which formation he would use. And based on that, we can make, um, we can make, um, those assumptions. Um, and I agree with Alexander Tashayev and possibly Denis Cherishov. I haven't seen Denis Cheryshev in his uh, recent matches. So I don't know in, in what kind of form he is. Uh, but again, he, he, Cherchesov sees as his potential attacking wingers, uh, Yuri Zhurkov. He also sees, obviously, one of uh, Miranchuk brothers and uh, Samyedov. So I know that he really has big hopes on those players. So maybe Denis Cherishov and Alexander Tashaev also will be cut uh, just pure because they the lack bl- of experience in Tashaev's case. And Denis Cherishov from what I understand, uh, Cherchesov at this point is not very happy with his form. But they still have a few days. Uh, so to me... I kinda of gave a vague answer, but to me it's really hard to say because we don't really know which formation he will use in the end. I'm surprised neither one of you said Neustädter. Well he because he can play two positions. Okay, yeah, that's,
1: I, I, I was actually gonna say the same, you know, um I, I don't think he'll start, but I think because of his versatility, um I
2: he can be a central defender, and we don't really have a player like, uh, you know, kind of Gattuso style, or like oh. <laughs> to be to give you a Russian, <laughs> yeah, but uh, to give you a Russian example, Denisov style. Uh, we don't have a player who can play dip and uh, Nošeta is not the bad option, but in this squad, he is the only person who can do this job.
1: That's a that's a controversial name to drop in there, Tim Denisov style. We don't have a player well, like. I'm
2: all, I'm already for that. Controversy <laughs> because it's, it's a really controversial topic. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I, yeah, actually, semi-seriously, guys, you know, I, I actually would keep Neusat as well for another reason, simply because, I mean, we've talked about this possible switch to four-two-three-one that the Sport Express at least, but mm. I'm not entirely convinced whether, either whether that's true or whether it will be maintained for the whole tournament. There's still obviously, for fairly obvious reasons, a very strong chance he will play three at the back, if if it's not for every game, at least maybe for one or two. So, uh, yeah. get it, I, would, I think he would keep as many central defenders as possible, really.
0: Yeah, but Neustadt is a horrible central defender. That's just my hot take well, right
1: there. I, 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 to be honest, other than Ignatius, which I think all of them are, to be honest. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I'm not denying that fact at all. But um, he does do a good slav slow- squat and he likes Semichkis, um, so he'll fit in no problem.
0: And the one other thing that surprised me, that you both saying Cheryshev is going to be cut. I mean, he had a, he had a pretty decent season in Spain. That's like one of the few foreigners or, or you know, Russians no, that only. are playing abroad. Yeah, the only, because, I mean, I was going to kind of mention Neustädter, but yeah, he's pretty much the only one who has that experience.
1: Well, you, you think about Cherishov is I actually would like to see him in the squad, but I mean, yeah. if you're asking who I think he'll pick, yeah. the only reason to say it is just because of the style and where he fits in. I don't know where he would fit in. I would like to see him in, like we said, um, we said before, he, he does offer that something different and he's got a different experience for the other players, like you mentioned, but I just and- don't see how he'd fit in.
2: And we also need to remember that he wasn't really called up during these two years. Yeah. So Cherchesov didn't use him. So I don't think he has a lot of trust in him. Uh, and he, in, in my opinion, he needs to do something crazy, extraordinary, uh, in those few days just to earn that spot because he, in this position, he has one of Miranchuk brothers and potentially, uh, and, um, Samyedov and, um, uh, the, oh, sorry, the, um, Uh, yeah 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 thanks uh so really like there's this four people who can fill this position and he's kind of fifth with no real experience of being a squad member of this team so um yeah i i don't think it's just um it just just this history doesn't show but yeah maybe who knows maybe he's in phenomenal form and he will um you know impress him and maybe somebody else maybe anton mirachuk will be cut we don't know
0: yeah, um and then I'm gonna throw one last controversial one at you guys before we actually going to introduce Russia as a country. No one mentioned Artem Suba as a potential player to be cut. You guys both talked about him, but um you know, this is maybe the one of the most controversial figures in the squad. I think there's a, there's room for him and we have mentioned in the past podcast that he should be in the side, but um no chance he will get cut boys. Tim
2: I I I think if the decision I think the decision was to take him or not to take him at all. Yeah. And if he made the decision that he can cope, and he uh-huh. he said in the interview, and he said, we know Zuba and we know his uh, advantages and disadvantages. And he, he highlighted that, that he knows what kind of issues Zuba has. And if he made the decision that he takes him, I think, he take, because I think the quality of his playing is not the question. It was more the attitude and the relationship between him and the squad and between him and the coaching staff. If that decision was made and they decided, okay, we, I don't know if forgive is the right word or maybe we can cope with Zuba and his behavior and how, you know, 24 seven, he's laughing and, you know, just being the, being Zuba. Then I think, I think at this point, if that decision was made, he is, he will stay in the squad. Um, I think because the other option would be to cut him or Chalov, and definitely Zubair brings more quality and more experience and more just like a soul in the team.
0: Yeah, I can live with that explanation. Okay. <laughs> let's move, let's move on. Let's move on. Um, boys, there's been so much talk about Russia as the host country. I mean um the news are constantly filled with Russia as Russia as a country in general. President Putin of course his involvement in Ukraine, um his involvement in Syria, the the Skripal case. Um I can go on and on and on and on and on and on. Um I was in a talk in in Poland just the last couple of days where we spoke about the political implications of Russia hosting this World Cup I think there's never been a World Cup where there was more talk about political implications than this World Cup. It's probably the most, in that sense, the most controversial World Cup since 1978. Now this gives of course an impression that this is uh, a World Cup staged by, uh, this sounds very harsh, the evil empire. Now Andrew, you live in Russia. I have traveled quite a lot to Russia. Tim, you are of course from Russia. I think the number one thing that we need to hammer home, and this is something that was often also mentioned in this, this talk that we had, on the outside, the, the PR-wise, this has been a disaster for Russia leading up to it. But I think anyone going, and I mean, maybe Andrew, I'll go with you first. Is this maybe the most hospitable host of a World Cup ever? Because if you go to Russia, I mean... If you even if you lost for a moment, some babushka will take you by your hand and guide you to where you need to go. Um, I'm just what I'm trying to do in this opening before we talk about the different cities. Why, in your opinion, will this be a great World Cup, and why will Russia be a great host, Andrew?
1: Well, you know, you, you mentioned it's been a, a disaster PR wise. I I would I would actually only eighty percent agree with that because. There's been so much noise made by, especially the UK media. Um, no. that's <laughs> Funny enough, you know, it might surprise you, Manny, you know, even though you did live in London, of course. But, you know, um, but you know what I've noticed, and it's only a sliver, but it is a sliver, nonetheless, is that quite a lot of people, and more than I thought, based in the UK, are actually starting to laugh at the UK media, which it's it's a turning. I'm not saying it's a turning point completely, but it's something I've not really noticed before. A lot of people are just not taking the the red top papers, as we call them, the yellow press, as we call it in Russia. Um, they're not taking it as seriously as um, as one has experienced in the past. So yes, it has been negative, of course it has. Um, but a lot of people are making the effort to a lot more than I expected, anyway, making the effort to find out, you know, the real story, what's going on. So why would it be the best World Cup, um, well, I say the best World Cup, hosted, certainly, hospitable? Firstly, we've got to deal with the nitty-gritty, the security. Um, And I I have to be honest, I can't imagine many countries would have as stringent security as Russia has. Um, And not just has. it's It's not like it's specially being put on just for the World Cup. This is something that, is, has been entrenched for quite some time now. The Russian police force and security around sporting events has been very, very strong. And what a lot of people might see as slightly heavy-handed, um, if you're an English football fan... Um, you, you won't be used to, you know, body searches regularly on entrance to stadiums. Perhaps in the last few years, but not in a, you know, not in a long-term thing. This is very normal in Russian football. Um, the security gates to a lot of the stadiums, but not just stadiums in the city. You will see the police presence a lot more than in a lot of countries. So that's one very strong positive. Um, I mean, I, and I do mean strong positive because although it will take people by surprise a little bit. It's better to be surprised at how many police there are than to have any lacks in security. I'm stating the obvious here, but it is a point to be made. Uh, and you mentioned the Babushki. I mean, look, I'm not going to lie. There is a string of Babushki who I do not like, the type that get on the <laughs> minibuses and make your your public transport experience unpleasant, but... There is a welcoming attitude. Russians are intrinsically, I have found, and Tim, I'm, I hope you will agree with me on this one, a very curious nationality. They want to know about foreign people. They want to know what foreign people think of them. And that naturally will lead to hospitality. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I mean, I've, I may, maybe I've mentioned it on a pod before. My first experience with my father-in-law. Now, let's just think of this father-in-law. I'm a foreign boy in another country, and the first time I meet him, I'm thinking I'm going to get a shake down here. First thing he said to me was whiskey, not, you know, what are your intentions with my daughter and what what are your (laughs) plans in this country? He offered me alcohol, and that's going to be a theme. So the hospitality is something people won't expect, and I can't wait for people to be surprised and shocked in a positive way by that.
0: Uh, I, I'm glad you bring up the first stereotype right there, Andrew, alcohol, yes, <laughs> I, I am sure that will be probably the most dangerous aspect for many people traveling to Russia. Uh, Tim, your lot can hold the liquor, so this is a travel advice to me, Um <laughs> skip every second shot and have something solid to eat, that's helped me many, many times, but uh, <laughs> Tim, um I mean, you are Russian. And what can you say to people, anyone who's kind of slightly concerned about going, what is your first reaction when you tell them, okay, look, uh, what you see in the news is not the reality. T- this is your chance right now. Why Why will this be a great World Cup? Exactly. Yeah.
2: Like, I agree with a lot of things that Andrew said. And in general, yeah, like, we're a curious nation. And uh, we kind of, what we call this nation without the middle, because we or white we either like you or don't like you so if we don't like you we're just not going to be bothered but at the same time if if we like you we will be the best friends and in russian we have the saying uh, that we will give you our last shirt and i'm pretty sure like 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 andre said yes we're a curious nation people will be interested especially maybe in smaller cities which don't have that many uh, foreign peoples uh, coming to there um you manu said on this spot and uh, i heard many many experience how and how much fun Mexican and Chilean fans uh, had in Russia uh, during Confederations Hub and how everyone in Russia just loved uh, Chile and pretty much was supporting Chile because, because of their fans, because they're so fun. R- Russian people, will like to party. So, you know, when we see, when we see party, it's, it's gonna be, it's gonna be, it, it's gonna be nice. Also, for example, a story from one, uh, from one Canadian friend who went, to to England uh, sorry to to Russia uh, he spoke only English he didn't speak any Russian so he was lost um on the street and then uh, somebody um tried to help him but they they didn't speak any English so this person stopped uh, a few cars on the road and ask if anybody spoke English. He found somebody who spoke English and all of them together helped him to find this way. This isn't a common story about Russian people. So, like I said, if we like you, and I'm pretty sure that people will be interested in foreigners coming in. Um, it will be very, very hospitable. It will be very, very, very welcome. Um, British media sells all those crazy stories about um, Russian hooligans uh training for you know for for the foreigners to come in there might be a couple of little incidents but i'm pretty sure everything's going to be fine because first of all um russian government doesn't want any really black stories or like negative stories about that so all those hooligans will be under you know they will be very very um regulated and i'm I'm pretty sure that nothing will happen and uh, those like you know there are hooligans in russia and there's quite a There's a number of them, but if you compare that number to the whole to the to the number of people who would actually go to those games, uh, it's it's just it's such a minimal group of people, and uh, those people will be spreaded out across across the stadium or across the round. So there might be a few, a couple of little conflicts if you know if somebody um, and it doesn't have to do with hooligans. If somebody really crosses over the border and does something. Crazy, because, you know, there are, there are crazy people everywhere. And then they might get in trouble. But in general, I'm pretty sure that, you know, there will be a very positive atmosphere. And just remember, it's com- exactly the same stories were about before the Confederation Cup and how did it go. It was absolutely brilliant. You were there, you, you mm-hmm. both were there, and you said that it was just a phenomenal experience. And your story with the jacket which you <laughs> forgot in Moscow, which was brought to you to St. Petersburg by a volunteer, I think this is an example what will happen in Russia.
0: Yeah, that's a great story, isn't it? Yeah, maybe for those who haven't listened to it. I forgot in my infinite wisdom, I left my jacket uh, hanging over my my seat inside the, the press box at the Odkritia Arena. And didn't realize I was missing it until Kazan. And then uh, I had to, of course, go to the final in St. Petersburg. So I was thinking, okay, well, I really would like this jacket back. Um, so I, I innocently asked, well, is there any way this jacket could be posted back to my home place? And then the volunteer guy says, well, let's, let's see where it is first. And, and then they phone back in Moscow. At Katerina; they have it. And they're like, well... <laughs> But you need this jacket, don't you? I'm like, well, yeah. Eventually, I would like to have it back. And so he's saying, no, but St. Petersburg, it's going to rain tomorrow. You need the jacket. I'm like, well, but they're not going to be able to send this jacket in this time. He's like, don't, don't worry about it. We'll just send a volunteer by train to bring you the jacket. And I kid you not, the next morning I get a phone call on my phone from the volunteer. I have your jacket. Jacket. Can we meet in Nevsky Nevsky Street so I can give it to you? True. <laughs> s- true story. Absolutely well, true story.
1: Mani, I'm delighted it was a volunteer you mentioned, because that's actually something I forgot about this. I, I'm, I know this has happened at other World Cups. Of course, it's one of the things FIFA do, but the volunteer team... Are absolutely fantastic in every, every host city. Um, they have about four, four or five hundred volunteers in every host city on match day. Mm. Um, and that's just one example that you just told, but that is going to make a huge, huge difference to yeah. people's comfort in and around the stadium. I I'm honestly, I'm not kidding. They are, they're absolutely brilliant. And they, a lot of them do speak good English too.
0: This is actually one of my number one advices to everyone going. If you have a problem, ask the volunteers, they will help. Um, um, I felt sick the first day there. I was taken to an ambulance and I was helped right away. And I felt better right. Away. I still don't know what they actually gave me. I probably won't pass a doping test for the next six, <laughs> six years. But it helped, and I was helped. Um, this, this, this is just an advice I want to give to anyone going. Um, because this is one of the main things I get asked all the time. What do we do? We need help. Talk to the I think they will all wear red shirts. Talk to them. Ask them questions. Don't be shy. Ask. Ask anyone. They will help you. Uh the other thing is cell phone cards. Get them right away when you arrive. Don't bother with roaming, etc. They're cheap, they are easy to get, right, Andrew? We all have Russian cell phone cards because the data volume is incredible high. You will you're not gonna be able to use it up. Get your cell phone card there. Everyone in the store speaks English, so if you have if you don't speak Russian, don't worry. Um, someone will help you. I think these are these are so just some of the basic things that we get asked all the time on the football Grad network. So I just want to take care of them right away. When you arrive in mm-hmm. your city, go to the cell phone store. Go your cell phone. If you have any trouble, talk to the volunteers, and there's many, many, many volunteers that will help you around, uh, boys. Talking about the nitty gritty, the, the different host cities. I kind of want to talk about Moscow as one with the Loshniki Stadium and Nordkriti Arena. This is a stadium, this is a city that I have spent a lot of time, in, so I will talk about that in great lengths. I think most people will spend most of their time there. I think it's also the easiest accessible city of all the host cities because of the metro system. I and mean, metro system is absolutely incredible it will get you from point a to b in no time tickets for the metro system are very cheap you buy a token one time you go and you can go as long on the metro system as you want two fabulous stadiums the otkriti arena i covered um the entire group stage of the comfort cup in that stadium i can't wait to go back i'm covering uh, several games in this tournament again uh, i think it's it's a fantastic place just to watch football and andrew you went to the Loshniki stadium maybe a quick sentence about that It's a fantastic stadium as well isn't it
1: Oh no absolutely it is it is a very very fine setting a uh, very fitting setting for the world cup final it's the 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 area of moscow where it is is naturally set up for a large event because it's on that bend of the river the Moskva river and yeah. the it makes the security very very easy and the access to the stadium although the distance from the ground itself from the first gate is quite a lot it does mean that it filters everybody through so i mean one of a bit of advice i would just slip in there is get to games much earlier than you would normally expect to i mean it's fairly obvious i know but just make yeah. sure you do if you do the Luzhniki area is really really smart and they've got they've got little cafes and uh, training pitches where i'm sure there'll be events going on on match days um the the area just with the bend in the river the greenery the trees around is uh, and and it has got um, it's got two metro stops which are in very close reach of the Luzhniki itself um, so getting to, like you say, man. Of course, Moscow is a fabulous city for getting around. Um, just don't go by car. That's the one. No, yeah, no, again. <laughs> no, no,
0: no. Don't do state- that. <laughs> we're
1: we're, <Yeah>. we're <laughs> stating obvious things here, but I mean they seem obvious to us. Perhaps don't get. I, you know, getting even getting taxis yeah. is not the worst thing if it's a late kickoff. Do Uber, um,
0: but Andrew, do Uber. Uh, that's another thing. Don't use the official taxis, especially from the taxi. Tim, oh, you had a great no, no. story with the taxi from in Moscow with a poor Chilean fan. I think he ended up paying oh, eighty thousand Christ rubles, Christy. right? Uh, no, yeah. no,
1: the 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 with 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 the taxis, it's a dead simple thing. I use Yandex Taxi yeah. um, because I mean it's probably I'd, I've never used Uber, but I'm sure it's basically the same sort of service. Yeah. If you use one of those, they are actually the cheapest taxis anyway. Um, I mean, just to give you an example, I was in Samara and I was quoted over a thousand rubles for a taxi to the airport and I got my Yandex taxi out and it was 350 rubles. So, um, get a Yandex Yandex taxi or Uber. Yandex I'd recommend because it is a Russian company and they've got the maps very up to date um, and you get them everywhere. I have both,
0: Andrew, and I compare the prices because sometimes Uber Uber is cheaper and sometimes Yandex, so I would suggest get both.
1: Having one of those services oh. is an absolute no-brainer wherever you are, because you cannot, by by definition, get ripped off. So um, that's what's to do. Lucianiki, though, like you mentioned, fantastic. I'm one of my favourite stadiums. Mm. I've, I think, I've probably ever been to, if I'm honest.
0: And ten, the the Arena, of course. Oh. No. <laughs> <laughs>
1: well, I'm I
2: biased because that's uh, my club's arena. But like, um, well, Andrew will tell us a lot because he was a person at other arenas, and um, from what I hear and from what I've seen, it's of uh, all, all arenas are unbelievable. But um, at Krzych Arena is probably one of the oldest. New arenas, if I can say so. Yeah. Um, so everything is already figured out because I, there still might be, you know, because the arenas are so new, there may be some, some little difficulties, but most, uh, arena is all figured out. They had shows, big concerts there. They have Champions League matches. They have national team games. They had Confederations Cup. So I. I'm pretty sure that Atkins uh, Arena will be all wonderful, you know in terms of just the operations of the stadium and uh, because they already hosted many events there might be some hiccups with little cities which just open those arenas, but I'm confident in that great
0: arena arena situation yeah absolutely i love the I love the arena it's a great place um great place to cover games, but I want to move on to the the next city St Petersburg because a lot of games will be hosted in St Petersburg as well. I uh, again so I suspect most fans will actually spend most of their time in one of the two cities. I here St. Petersburg has some hotel trouble. So I'm personally staying away from any hotels in St. Petersburg. This time I will be train taking a train from Moscow to St. Petersburg and go back either straight back for to Moscow following the game, um on one of the free trains, or I will be flying to Sochi and we'll get to Sochi in a moment. But the Krestovsky Stadium, beautiful facility I covered the final of the CONFIT Cup there last year, and I covered the opening match. I can't wait to go back. It's a great stadium, uh, one of the best stadiums I've ever covered a football match in. Um Be wary of the bridges being drawn up in the middle of the night, yeah. 3 a.m. Yeah, um, That means there will be no crossing the Nevsky. Uh, be aware of that. So that's, that's one thing that I'm warning everyone. Again, Uber, Yandex is the best way to get around and a fantastic metro system. Um, boys, I want to move on though to the other stadiums. And then next up in my list is Kazan because this is a stadium that I went to at the Comfort Cup as well. And I, I like Kazan. I know Andrew, you like Kazan as well. The one thing, and you mentioned the security cordon with one of the other facilities. Here, the security cordon is one kilometer around the, around the stadium. So be there early. And public transport can be still a little bit iffy. But it's a great stadium, isn't it?
1: Well, no, actually, Kazan is one of the one I haven't been to actually. Oh, but, okay. uh, oh, oh yeah. But there, yeah, yeah, go. You've been <laughs> travelling so
0: much, i have been like completely <laughs> out of tune.
1: No, actually, it, it's it really it was it is is that and Rostov-on-Don are the only two I haven't yeah. been to now. But but this the, you mentioned, Tim mentioned. The Kreta being one of the oldest new stadiums and the Kazan Arena is the other that is well established and it's hosted other events. And they, like you mentioned, they, they've got this, they're used to the security. Well, even in all the newest ones that are open, the security will be planned down to a T, but it does give you that little added sense of, of comfort, maybe perhaps, that they've staged a lot regularly and. The pitch has had a few problems in Kazan. That's the only small minor thing I would mention, but the pitch has also been a problem in some of the other stadiums. In um in Saransk, for example, it was it was actually very, very poor service uh surface in the test game. But you can bet your bottom dollar they will get they will ship in uh, the best pitch possible if they need to. So I don't think that would be a problem for the tournament itself. Um but Kazan has got to be one of the most fascinating cities outside Outside of Moscow and St. Petersburg for its cultural and religious history. And I cannot wait to spend time there. Hopefully I'll be there for a a few days and I'll be able to take a breather between games, but I cannot wait for that.
0: I'm doing one game in Kazan. The, I believe it's Germany against Sweden. Um, the game uh, at Kazan. So yeah, I'm really looking forward going back. Uh, I've spent many times and been many times in Kazan. It's a great city, very multicultural, um, city with that's pretty much half, half, half Russian, half Tatar. Uh, Tatars are of course a Turkish tribe, so it's fantastic food there, fantastic culture. Um, yeah, be, don't be surprised by all the mosques. It's, it's a very, very interesting, fascinating place. Um, but Andrew, maybe quick talk about the stadiums that you have been to. And I know this will sound like a lot. Unfortunately, we're very limited with time, so we have to kind of group them a little bit. Um, Kaliningrad, Volgograd, Nishini, Novgorod, Ekaterinburg, Samara, Saransk, and Sochi. Now, I'm not going to ask you which one stands out the most for you, because I know that's <laughs> going to be Sochi. But um, the other stadiums, just tell, give us a little bit of an overview of them.
1: Well, okay, basically, my... My my take on on all of the stadiums is they are spectacular from the outside, all of them, and they do have unique styles as well, which is quite a pleasing thing. Um, some previous um, tournaments have had relatively similar styles. Um, Kaliningrad, I didn't I didn't get inside, so that was a shame that one. But um, the setting around it, the the route on foot is, is beautiful. You go by the waterway, you've got the, um, Konigsberg Cathedral, Emmanuel Kant's tomb. There's loads of street food. It's, uh, it's, it's fabulous. Um, really is. Um, Novgorod Novgorod Stadium, um, was, uh, it was certainly one of my favorites as well, because the stands are particularly <laughs> steep, especially in the second tier. Um, so the, the atmosphere and the acoustics were, were absolutely fantastic. They really were, were wonderful there. Um, Samara, for me, if I'm honest, it was the access to the stadium was dreadful. That's the one major downside I have of any of these stadiums, really. Um, It is so far out of the centre, and there is very little in the way of public transport that gets you within half an hour walking distance. Um, There is one road, a motorway that goes right round the long way round, and it gets close. Um, So I'd say Samara is the biggest... um, well, the biggest challenge to get to on time—that really is get there as early as possible. Um, but um, your Stadium is—that's what everybody will recognise from the strange pictures, the stands coming outside. But even that, though, I actually think it has its own charm, and the atmosphere is m- so much better than you would imagine. You'd think with two open spaces at either end, the you know the noise would would dissipate outwards. It doesn't. I don't know how they've managed it, but it really does generate an atmosphere. Um I mean we honestly all of them have their own charms sochi at the olympic stadium is is just breathtaking on a clear blue sky summer day, looking out across the Olympic park with the fishbone fountain it is um it is it's something else um I mean, look all of these stadiums, anybody going to them, they are just whatever the cost whatever the um <clears throat> cleanliness of the cost shall we say <laughs> dubious as it may be. The impression physically at all of these stadiums is just out of this world.
0: Yeah, any favourites that you have, Tim, of any of the stadiums? Don't say Odkriti Arena, you're not allowed. (laughs)
2: Yeah, that that was was my answer. (laughs) Uh, No, they all look great, like I haven't been to any of those, but my choice is Odkriti Arena, I'm sorry.
1: Um. Uh, we can let him off for that one, I think. No, <laughs> yes, the name of another one. <laughs>
2: um, let's say then. Well, obviously, like Luzhniki looks 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 very impressive. Uh, Saint Petersburg Stadium is great. Um, I was I liked the Saransk Stadium because, like, really, it's like one of the smallest cities to host the uh, the World Cup, and from the pictures. Which Andrew posted, and then the like obviously on the social media and the internet. Um, uh, well, it's not only because it has red and white colors, but it's also looked very, very nice.
0: Yeah, I think, I you know, from the designs, I think the only stadium that I didn't like that much was the Kaliningrad Stadium. And uh, I hear there's, there's some issues with that particular facility because it's, it's built in an empty, very empty lot, right? So um it's going to be yeah. curious to see what's going to happen with that facility afterwards. They they're saying that they're going to develop all that land around uh the Kaliningrad arena. Um yeah, uh, curious to see what's going to happen uh with with that facility. Yeah. Um they have four games there, including one of the England games, right? So a lot we of pe- yes. A, a lot of one a lot of people listening in, they'll be listening in and say, Well Kaliningrad. Um how did you find getting to the stadium, Andrew?
1: Uh, Kaliningrad, getting around was absolutely brilliant. That is one of the positives of it. Um, but the the area around the stadium itself, the plot of land is, if I mean, if you look on Google Maps, for example, all you will see is just simply an outline of where the water edges around a. Uh, I'm not good at judging spaces, but uh, a few square kilometres at least. It was absolute. It was an absolute building site, complete wasteland when I was there about what, six seven weeks ago. Um, I mean, of course, again, the you know the roads getting down there will be brand new, uh, but it's only 15, 20 minutes walking from the very centre, um, 10, 15 minutes from the nearest restaurants and hotels, where there's a lovely little stretch of restaurants and eateries by the water. Um, that's basically what I imagine most people will do. They'll congregate um, by, there's a row of hotels, they'll, they'll congregate there, and then they'll just walk down the road, five, 10 minutes to the stadium. Getting there. Kaliningrad itself, as, as getting around, I wouldn't recommend getting public transport at all. Just walk. Um, very attractive, old centre. Um, and the distances are not very big. So Kaliningrad access, top notch. Mm.
0: Yeah, and the one stadium that we haven't talked about very much is, of course, the, the Fischtonypik Stadium. I, I know we have some listeners. Um, you know, There's quite a few games going to be played there, um, including the Germany against Sweden game. That, that's that's the game that I'm going to be covering there. I'm very much looking forward. I heard so many good things about Sochi from you, Andrew. Um, you've been raving about right. it. I, I've been, of course, across the, across the border. Um, not in Abkhazia and Georgia and, uh, I've been to the Black Sea. And I, I, know that that area is one of the most beautiful in the world, but these, the, the stadium, um, I've, I've talked to someone who's recently been to this, uh, to the stadium as well and just braced how much it's still, you know, a lot of Olympic parks seem to very much empty out after the, the Olympics move on and, um, lose all sense of life. But that's really not the case in Sochi from what I hear. So I'm very excited to, to, to see yeah. it. And, um, I know you spent quite a bit of time down there and I know you can give us a very good impression of the place.
1: Oh, absolutely. Such is um, well, such is quite a, it's got a bit of a reputation within Russia from uh, when I first came here. That was one of the first places I was told about it was this is the place people go to. It's a holiday resort. And not all the reviews were positive, I admit. Uh, a lot of people said it's very expensive, but I didn't find it to be um, excessively expensive. The Olympic Park itself, though, is, is very well designed. There are loads of restaurants and cafes and there's the formula one track that goes around it there's the the swimming center there's a tennis center um actually just one one slight interesting point about uh, one of the nearest restaurants to the stadium is called la punto which used to be the doping center that was under a lot of um Scrutiny, should we say? Um, and you can actually, you can order a Meldonium cocktail from there as well. I've heard. Um, but anyhow, uh, moving on from that, the actual place is—it's just—it's designed to host a lot of people, and it does draw you in. There's visitor centres for the Formula One, for the football. There's the there's the beach, not that far away, two hundred metres away. It's just. You really don't want to leave, Sochi. Once you get there, you don't want to leave. Um, And actually, Manu, you'll be there for the Germany-Sweden game, you say, on the 23rd of June. I will be there as well. um, So I will see you there.
0: Uh, You can always crash my hotel room, buddy. I'll figure it out.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I think I might need to. That will be the end of, I think, something like 3,000 kilometers of driving. So... Um, any hotel room would certainly be very <laughs> welcome.
0: <laughs> well, that was actually one thing I was amazed of. There weren't any FIFA hotels in Sochi. And then when I went online, I realized why. Because the the amount of hotel rooms that they have in Sochi is incredible. And I think anyone going there to try to get a hotel room will be surprised how cheap it is. It's probably the easiest city to find a hotel hotel room. Because I guess because of the Olympics, they were so well prepared to host all these people that... A group stage match is really not a challenge for them at all, isn't it?
1: This is John Grills from the Creepy Podcast. With Best Christmas Ever on AMC+, every day feels like Christmas morning. From new holiday favorites like Elf and National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, to modern iconic family classics like The Polar Express and The Year Without a Santa Claus, you can spend the holiday season opening only the good stuff. Plus, you get a stocking stuffed with highly acclaimed AMC series like The Walking Dead and Mad Men new series like Gangs of London and The Walking Dead World Beyond. And you're also getting your favorite iconic Christmas movies without having to search. AMC Plus is available on all your devices. Sign up today at amcplus.com. AMC Plus. Only the good stuff.
3: It wouldn't be the holiday season if there wasn't candy, right?
1: No, no, absolutely not. I mean it's um it, it's 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 not just Sochi. I mean Adler where the Olympic Stadium is mm. itself is quite an attractive little town. There's the you know, I I should imagine there'll be quite a lot of sport tourism, people going up to see maybe some of the mountains around I forget the name it's Krasna. I'm not very good with my Russian names, um but there's a it's Krasner is something, there's a there's a mountainside resort, um there's plenty of space and it is between Adler and Sochi, it's about forty kilometres or so. But the links between them are so good that it really doesn't matter. A lot of people will comment, "Oh, it's so far from Sochi." Honestly, it is, it's, it's irrelevant. You could spend more time getting across Moscow to one of the games your home <laughs> clubs on the other side than getting to Adler. Um, so it's 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 made for World Cup hosting. Um, whatever we might say about the football clubs in the city or the lack of, um, the 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 city is ready. Let's put it that way.
0: Yeah, that really leaves us just with, um, who did we leave off? Rostov on Don. Um, none of us have been managed to go there. I don't, Tim, you have some family connection to Rostov, right? Can you give, tell us anything about the city? Well, my dad lives in,
2: um, Sevastopol, which is Crimea, but Rostov is not too far away. I know that Rostov is a beautiful city. It was actually not my dream. It's not like I'm obsessed with going to Rostov, but I always, always wanted to visit the, uh, the city because, um, they have this, this legendary shellfish and they have, uh, from what I understand, uh, a few beer factories. And that's a classic uh, Rostov tradition to have to eat uh, the shellfish and like is it shellfish? They you know they you know what I'm talking about. Raki? Is it in English? Is it shellfish? It's that dried shellfish fish, isn't it? Right. But I, no I'm other,
1: not I'm not certain myself, but I think that I think it is shellfish. Yeah.
2: yeah so, but yeah, that's the, that's a the classic Rastov d- dish, and they just like they just really um, make a, um, you know a, a celebration of that of eating uh, drinking beer and eating those uh, let's call them shellfish for now uh while i'm googling this but uh yeah but um it's um it's it's also a very warm city so like you know russia in general in summer is fairly warm but this is like the the south of the um of russia and um also the like, like in, in the whole country, the girls are beautiful, but especially Rostov, uh, girls, Rostov and Samara, this is the place where like, you know, one of the most beautiful girls in the world lives. So, yeah, it's not really football, uh, a, a vision, but, uh, that city always really, um, was a place where i wanted to go because you know growing up in siberia we always like seven months of the year it was snow and then you see um you know the the weather forecast in rostov was always always warmer by 20 degrees
0: than where i'm from so i
2: always was jealous for that city
0: why are they hosting four games in rostov brazil against switzerland uruguay against saudi arabia south korea against mexico iceland against croatia Anyone from those countries listening in, apparently you're in for a treat. Try the shellfish and drink the beer. Although uh, I have to say to you, there's a very good growing landscape of microbrewing happening in Russia. I mean, Andrew, we went to a very good brew pub in one of the back alleys in Moscow where we recorded our live podcast. And, um, oh, that's yep. actually something, you know, everyone associates Russia with vodka and um, that's yeah. changing very quickly young people are drinking oh. more and more beer and it's it's good beer too so and this is actually a yep. suggestion i have to you right now too if you're listening in don't fall into the vodka trap um yeah yeah yeah, yeah. they will always do it doesn't matter how good you are you think you can hold your liquor they will all drink you um it's just that's just how it is that's the nature of things don't try just admit defeat from the very beginning and drink beer uh, you will have a much clearer day the next day. Trust me, I speak of personal experience. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I think, boys, anything, any final thoughts on this? This is episode one. We're going to have three episodes in the World Cup. Any final thoughts on anything that you would like to add about Russia in particular, Andrew?
2: Uh, oh, so
0: so, well, <laughs> so can I go first? Very, yeah, very absolutely. Okay, go for it.
2: I found that the the the,
0: the fish is called crawfish. So that's, that's ah, my final thoughts. That's your final thought. Eat crawfish and rostoff and drink beer. Uh Andrew, it's hard to talk, but yeah, I'm gonna give you a chance anyways.
1: Well, now to be to be honest with you, I think I think we've said the most important things. <clears throat> I think um pardon me. I think what I'm looking forward to the most about the World Cup at this stage, before we go into the, the, the ins and outs of the the actual games and the squads in more detail, um is I'm just looking forward to the World Cup, not just because it's here, but because I want to see people's reaction to it. And basically, I'm going to enjoy being proven right. Um, I'm going to enjoy people being surprised um, at you know the stereotypes they thought were true about Russia not being true. And that, and and look, without getting too um, idealistic about it. For me, that's what a World Cup should be about. It's not about the best 32 teams or we just have a ranking system and whoever comes out top, is they, they win the World Championship. That's That's not what a World Cup is. It's about taking the, the sport and the world around, showing it, showcasing it. And Russia, of any country in the world, I would argue right now, certainly one of them, needs to be showcased because it is not just foreign policy that makes this country. They're the people that make this country and that's what is going to be seen by so many people around the world and I cannot wait for people to start realizing this.
0: You know, Andrew, and I'm going to build on this as the final thought on this podcast before we wrap it up. One of the f- the first questions that I was asked at that uh, symposium in Warsaw was should Russia be boycotted? And I said no because it's an opportunity of dialogue it's an opportunity of opening the door bridging bridging the gaps rather than burning down the bridges and um, because what happens at the World Cup you have millions of people visiting the country and all of the sudden all the stereotypes not just from people going to the host country but also stereotypes that people in the host country have about other nations they get broken down it's okay. the great it's the great equalizer and, uh, Absolutely. and I think that is the, the one thing that I'm looking forward to most to do this World Cup because I think it is a, it is a fantastic opportunity to build bridges rather than burning them down. So, um, you know, maybe to, if you want to listen to great details about the pros and cons of the, of boycotting the World Cup, um, there's a video online on my talk in Warsaw. I posted the link on my Twitter. Um, you can, you can listen back on it there. We, I think we talk about half an hour about this. Um, we came to the same conclusion, more or less, right? I'll, I'll just saved you 30 minutes of listening to Russian, German, and Polish, and English. Anyhow, that's my final thoughts on this World Cup. Uh, boys, let's wrap it up here. Next week, of course, we're going to talk about all the nitty gritty things, as Andrew calls it. But until then, uh, Tim, what have you been up to? Where can people find you? Floor is yours.
2: Um I've been excited for the upcoming uh, Champions League final. I wrote a very biased and absolutely not not neutral review uh, which uh, might be even posted on that network don't expect anything um, neutral opinion. It was just my pure opinion <laughs> which was absolutely unbiased. Uh, but yeah, that's up to me. To me, the Champions League final is kind of like a birthday, uh, second uh, in top two best days of the year, so I just can't wait for another 24 hours to see this uh, legendary game. I I just I'm crazy excited.
0: and then people can find you and this thing. (laughs) <laughs> oh yeah, sorry, sorry, sorry.
2: Yeah. Uh on Twitter at the uh, Russian Tim 61 and uh Instagram Rocket from Russia. Thank I,
0: you. I, I I post this thing tonight and anyone who is upset with what Tim has written direct the please to him. It, uh, it, it's just a yeah. platform, okay? Exactly. Uh, Footballgrad has
2: nothing to do with it's, it It's a, just it, my pure it,
0: opinion. It's an opinion piece. I need to line underline uh, this here, okay? Okay. It's Tim's <laughs> opinion, not mine, not it the platforms. Anyways, Andrew, <laughs> what about you? What have you been up to?
1: Well, yeah, it's basically been gearing up to the World Cup for the last, um, last few weeks now and uh, lined up a few bits of, of freelance work. I'll be coming out to, oh, I'll meet you in a few places, Manu. That's mm. basically, that's going to be my life for the next next six, seven weeks, as it is for a lot of people. Um, there is the very, very slim outside chance I might have found a ticket for the england Panama game, um, which for me personally, as an Englishman going to an issue in Novgorod and actually going to a game could be quite exciting, but it 's probably out of my price range, but anyway it 's just planning, planning, and saving up
0: you should go it will be one of only three games England will play in, so you know <laughs> <laughs> well, just...
1: i want to I want to say something witty and clever, but there really isn 't because quite honestly you 're probably right
0: <laughs> <laughs> i 'm just kidding, I think England is actually one of the dark horses for this tournament. You heard it here first from a German. Well, so, well, we've, oh, got, controversial,
1: we've got controversial. We've got, we've got Lord. We've got Lord Harry Kane as captain, so we can't possibly uh, no. lose.
0: No. Well, make sure he takes the corners, okay? Yeah. And 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 he he will oh, win. Christ. <laughs> oh okay.
1: Christ! Oh okay, Christ! Harry guys, Kane is going to take. Guys,
0: we'll have anyway. we have another hour to talk about this. Okay, so let's leave it there. Um, I want to wrap this up. Um, you can find me and. All the work I do, mostly at Football Grad Live, this podcast, the Game Pressing podcast, all the other podcasts that we do, articles on the World Cup, lots of World Cup articles on FootballGrad.com. Um, we, we have them coming. We have the, the previews, the group stage previews are coming. Um, we have single game previews coming the closer we get to the tournament. So keep your eye peels on that. Um, and you can follow me at Manuel Weff. Everything that I do will be on there. Um I do some freelance work for other outlets too. So that's all on there. Well, until next week. Until the big, big preview of the World Cup. Do svidaniya. <laughs>